Welcome to this week's episode of The Versatile Writer with me, Sarah Bannum. The Versatile Writer aims to provide help and support for like-minded writers. This is episode 77. This week's episode is the second part on the topic of writer's blog. You may recall I gathered so much information about it and added my own thoughts and solutions too that creating a part two was going to be beneficial. When I give thoughts to topics to cover in The Versatile Writer, I try hard to find subjects that writers will engage with because they've heard about it and want to know more, or they've actually experienced it or are experiencing it. As always, if any of the topics raised in the Versatile Writer episode strike you and you want to continue with the discussion, you can do so on the podcast Facebook group. It's a safe space that you can open up and share your thoughts on creative writing. The link will be in the show notes. So, writer's block. Here's a quick recap on what we covered in part one. A little research highlighted that the origins of writer's block date back to around 1945. Further research showed that the term was first coined by Austrian psychiatrist Dr. Edmund Bergler, who was living in the United States. And even further research brings up the definition of being a psychological inhibition preventing a writer from proceeding with a piece. According to the online site mentalfloss.com, the 19th century poet Samuel Taylor Coleridge described his writer's block as indefinite, indescribable terror at not being able to produce the work he thought was worthy of his talent. Coleridge wrote in a notebook, So complete has a whole year passed, with scarcely the fruits of a month. O oh, sorrow and shame, I have done nothing. In Stephen King's book on writing, he describes it as there may be a stretch of weeks or months when it doesn't come at all. To Kill a Mockingbird's Harper Lee reported, I find I can't write. I have about 300 personal friends who keep dropping in for a cup of coffee. I tried getting up at six, but all the six o'clock risers congregate. Author of Invisible Man, Ralph Ellison, referred to it as chronic procrastination and I have writer's block as big as the Ritz. Originally, I decided upon writer's block for the topic of this podcast because I'd seen something on Twitter asking for ways to defeat it, and boy, what a rabbit hole that created. There were a few rather harsh ideas to deal with it, which are in part one if you want to go back and listen to them after this, and they may speak your kind of language. However, I'm the kind of person who will respond well to less harsh ways of dealing with things. I mean, sure, tough love has its place, and I don't deny that. But if there's an option that is not going to get my back up, then maybe I'll take that one. I often feel that a little stroking and caring works better at getting my mind to cooperate rather than name-calling and beating myself up. That makes sense to me. Maybe you too. Or it could be that you vote for the name-calling. Each to their own. You do you. Some of the nicer ways to deal with writer's block were covered in part one, and I've got a few more for you in part two as well. And some of those I'm going to elaborate upon using my own experiences as examples and those that I've heard work nicely. So let's get on with those suggestions. Number one, writing is not a straight line. Adjust your writing to fit the curve. Number two, write a start, a middle and an end and fill the gaps in between. Number three, some stories take longer to tell than others. Be patient and embrace the commitment to finish it. Number four, Consider your characters and their motives. Number five, have other works in progress on the go at the same time. If one dries up, move on to another. 
Come back to the first afterwards. Number six, go to a cafe and people watch. Sit and relax, then choose two different people and create some dialogue. Maybe even create a short story or poem from your observations. Number seven, start writing something new, a new story, a new chapter of the same story, anything. Number eight, read non-fiction if you're blocked on fiction or vice versa. Number nine, write out of sequence. And number 10, retype another novel. There you have 10 ways to deal with writer's block. Let's go through them again with some examples and my own experiences. Number one, writing is not a straight line. Alter your writing to fit the curve. I think I love this idea because it's so true. It also turns the linear idea of a story into a physical thing. I tend to think visually, so imagine the length of red string when I first heard this idea. If you do the same, add different coloured string to the analogy to help you visualise the idea. Use each colour, either in your mind or in reality, to represent the plot, the narrative, the character and their motivations. I'd recommend using no more than three or four colours though, or it may well overwhelm you. Let's say you've made it physical and it's lying on the lounge carpet. Look at the way the story moves. There's no from A to B, it's all about A to B to P to H to C, J to W and Z. It's fantastic when you think about it that way because no story is straightforward at first. It takes time to shape it. I'd advise simplifying it though. It's very easy to overcomplicate ideas and if you're using the idea to help you write, simplification is probably the way forwards. Number two, consider your characters and their motives. I'd suggest thinking of them as real people giving them tasks to do and see how they cope. Things like send them to the dry cleaners, get them grocery shopping and see which fruits or veggies they go for. Take them to a cafe and see how they behave. Because your brain will use your memory and experiences and influences of situations, it'll use them to create scenarios. If you've not experienced a situation that you want your character to go through, it will probably rely on other books you've read scenes on TV or movies, or simply your imagination to work it out. Brains are brilliant, aren't they? Number three, some stories take longer to tell. Be patient and embrace the commitment to finish it. I truly believe that if you really love the idea of a story, then you should find the time and commitment to write it to the best it can be. Have you ever read a published story and thought, oh, if they only didn't do such and such, it would have been such a good ending? Or if this wasn't such a cliche, it'd be a really good story. Sometimes books just don't go the way you want them to. And that's actually okay because it means you could write something like it and give it your own ending or have a different character in there. Taking the time and commitment to write a longer story makes it all the better in the end. If you do find you're getting a bit bored with it, take a break and reread it to that point. It might be that the problematic part is staring you right in the face. Also, if you get bored writing it, you can bet your bottom dollar the reader will put it down. A writer needs to be engaged all the way through, and that takes commitment. Be patient, embrace that commitment, and finish it. Retype another novel. I used to do this, but with magazines. I was once working at a place where some days there was no work to do at all, so I'd be sitting at my desk twiddling my thumbs. If I knew a day like this was coming up, I'd bring in a copy of a writing-related magazine and open it up on articles about writing or writing prompts. Once I began typing it out, 
My mind got into all kinds of interesting places. It was great and gave me lots of ideas plus insights into whatever the article was about. It also increased my typing speed and gave me something interesting to focus on during these times and that was a win-win really. Have other works in progress on the go at the same time. If one dries up, move on to another and come back to the first afterwards. This is something that works in my favour. I have the kind of mind that doesn't stick to just one thing at a time. I write several books at once and read several books at once too, both fiction and non-fiction. Also, when my moods fluctuate and I feel like a change is needed, that's what I do. I simply move on to the next work in progress and continue on from where I left off. If your mind works the same way, you could try this as a way to stop writer's block getting in the way. Go to a cafe and people watch. Sit and relax, then choose two different people and create. People watching is something I've done since I first began writing. Nowadays it's a little different, especially with the pandemic closing a lot of cafes. However, when they're open again, sit and listen. Don't stare at people at first, just listen to them. If specific voices get your attention over others, what are they talking about? Maybe have a pen and pad with you or a laptop and start writing notes about their conversation. Afterwards, look around at other patrons. What are they wearing? What coloured clothing jumps out at you? When they leave, what kind of car are they driving? Does any of this help remove your block? You could use your notes to write a short story or poem based on their dialogue. Start writing something new, a new story, a new chapter of the same story, anything. If you can't write more of the piece you need to write, put it to one side and write something completely different. Maybe a new story, a new chapter of the same story, a blog post, a song, a poem, a journal entry, a memory from childhood, a recollection of your favourite holiday, anything. Read non-fiction if you're blocked on fiction or vice versa. This is actually a good way to trick your brain. Definitely give it a go. Write out of sequence. If you're stuck on the chapter's first page, jump ahead and start on the second instead, or a middle one, or the final chapter. There is no right way to write a novel. Write a start, a middle and an end and fill in the gaps in between. If you want to take it down to basics and your mind thinks chronologically, write out the start, the middle and end chapters and then fill in the blanks. Personally, I've never tried this, but I've read that others have. My mind doesn't work quite that straightforward, but if yours does, why not give it a go? It might end up being your way forwards. I use many writing resources to help me to write, and I added to them with one of my own. Writing Naked, Writing Without Boundaries is on Amazon. The link will be in the show notes. It uses prompts, both visual and text, to help writers' imaginations widen and blossom. In the only page of text in the book, I argue that keeping your writing constrained within a genre and ultimately pigeonholing it can restrict creativity and literary development. It's probably also worth mentioning that while designed for the individual writer, this book works really well in a school or writing group setting. You can find it on Amazon if you type in my name, S.J. Banham, that's B-A-N-H-A-M, or Writing Naked, Writing Without Boundaries. There is a colon between Writing Naked and Writing Without Boundaries. And, as I said, the link will be in today's show notes. If you'd like to share your thoughts of the topics raised today, or the versatile writer in general, 
you can do so on the, the Versatile Writer podcast group. The link will be in the show notes. If you've enjoyed other episodes from this podcast, why not subscribe to it? By doing this, it will magically appear in your feed. Those tech fairies are amazing, aren't they? I'd also be grateful if you shared this podcast with your friends, family and on social media because you never know who it could speak to just at the right moment. Do tag me in though, please, so I can publicly thank you. On Facebook, it's Sarah Bannum. On Twitter, it's at SJBWrites. And on Instagram, it's s.j.bannum. This podcast aims to provide help and support for like-minded writers. So thank you for listening to The Versatile Writer with me, Sarah Bannum.